The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Thank you very much and a very good morning to everyone. Uh, this morning we're going to do things slightly differently. I, uh, this is a couple of months back, I spent some time with one of our friends. Uh, she invited us around to her place. Uh, we had a really, really, really lovely chat, and um, oftentimes my go-to question is, I'd like to hear your Jesus story. How did you come to know Jesus? And as she shared her testimony with me, I was just so encouraged. I, was, I just thought, I would love for the whole church to hear your testimony. And so before I speak this morning, I just want to invite my friend or our friend, Aunt Charles, to please come up, and she's just going to tell us briefly how she came to know Jesus. So, Aunt, you want to come up? Let's see. Let's just give her a round of applause as she comes up. Shall I come and help you to the front? That would be great. Yeah. Yes. If you just stand here next to me. So this is Anne, everybody. And um, yeah, many of you know Anne. And um, Anne, if you, you want to just tell us briefly how you, you came to know Jesus. I mean, we do. We see you coming Sunday after Sunday after Sunday faithful in all things, but we'd like to just know the reason why, you know, you've got that faithfulness and that urge to keep coming. But even before you get in there, we just want you to share with us how you came to know Jesus or how Jesus came into your life. It started many years ago. We had a house in Wiltshire and we sold it and moved, or hopefully moving to Becks Hill to be nearer the family. But when we came to buy, we couldn't find anywhere. So the agent said, well, I've got a house in Uckfield. Uckfield? Where's Uckfield? Doesn't even sound a nice place. <laughs> so anyway, we went to have a look at this house, and we thought, well, it's only for six months. This will do fine. So having viewed it, we got back into the car, and... Um, <clears throat> drive back to Wiltshire. But on the way, we just stopped and knocked on the door of our, will be our new neighbour. And we said we were going to move in and what our names were. And they told us their names was Derek and Joan. So we got in the car and went to Wiltshire. Fine. Eventually we moved back to Uckfield. And George went and spoke to um, Derek and had coffee with him and taught manly things which were good and left me to unpack and sort things out <laughs> and the usual things. And um, <clears throat> he came back in and he said, you'll never guess what. Go on, tell me they're churchgoers. Oh, my goodness. Okay, fine. We can cope. So, anyway, there were such lovely people. We went out to lunch with them. We had coffee with them. They came in to us. And, yes, we got to know them. But unbeknown to us, he kept feeding George little bits from the Bible. He would say, oh, and this morning I read, da-da-da-da-da. Oh, fine, okay. Mm. 
Right. And I thought, well, it's only for six months, and then we can get back to normal. So they never once said to us, come to church. Not once. And I thought, what do they do in this church that they want to go week after week? So when we weren't busy, the weather wasn't very good, we thought we'd go, just out of curiosity. So we went, and their church was held, or the service was held in the town hall. So it was a nice building, and next door was a supermarket. We thought, that's handy. So um, <clears throat> we went, and we had coffee, very nice coffee. And um, then the service began. Oh, my goodness. What were they doing? Standing up, arms in the air, calling out, praying out. And I thought, I can't cope with this. I can't cope with this. But the service wasn't very long. So we thought, oh, thank goodness, we can now go home and be normal. So we did that. And then we thought, we don't have to go every week. So when we had nothing to do, we just went, just to fill up the day. And bit by bit, Robert was the name of, of the preacher. And he kept talking about things and I thought, oh, please stop. Are you telling me? Is it for me? Is it for somebody else? It's not for me. No, 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 no. Go away. Go away. So I tried to mentally make a shopping list. So when we came out, we could go to the supermarket. But his words just were like bullets just kept coming into my head. And I thought, oh, dear. Okay, okay. Well, we're, we're nearly at the end of our six months. We'll be able to go. We'll be able to go. And eventually, the <clears throat> we made friends with people. Uckfield's quite a lovely place, small. And we used to go and meet people, have coffee, and perhaps even a lunch out. Yes, they, the people were all right, but it's the things they were doing. <clears throat> I couldn't cope with it. So eventually, we thought, oh, only another couple of weeks, that's good. So we thought we could just disappear. But then we had a bit of a conscience. It would be nice if we went for the last time and said goodbye. And then we could go to Bexhill. So we went and the service again. And Robert stood there, and he was preaching. And I thought, oh, Robert, please change the subject. Please change the subject. Don't keep going on. End of the service, George said, I'm going to say goodbye to different people. So off he went. And I was sitting there, and I thought, right, I'll gather my things, and I'll join you. I could not get out of my seat. I could not had the strength to stand up. And I thought, oh, heavens above, what's going to happen? Am I going to faint? What, what, what's wrong with me? And I just sat there, and I could feel the sobs coming. I thought, oh, no, 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 no. Get controlled, stand up. 
and walk out. And I just couldn't. I couldn't even open my eyes. And then I heard such a noise, like chairs being knocked left and right. And then Robert was at my feet, holding my hands, shaking me and saying, what do you want? What do you want? And all I could say is, I want what you lot have got. I want what you've got. And he prayed over me. And I can't remember the rest, but we went off to Bexhill. But Sunday came, and we thought, let's go to church. So we went all the way back to Uckfield <clears throat> on that road, and we got there, and we were welcomed with open arms. It was amazing. <clears throat> So that was good, and we settled in, and they said, would we like to join a small group? We thought, why not? What have we got to lose? So we did. So we went there twice a week, twice a week. But we enjoyed it. We're beginning to think all these words that were being, I don't know, thrown at me were beginning to make sense. And we thought, Keep going, keep going. So we did. And then <clears throat> they started talking about baptisms. And we thought, no, no, thank you. No, it's not for us. We don't want that. No, no, no. Carry on, but we don't want that. So we went there one Sunday. And because it was a town hall, they let people hang their pictures on the wall Every picture in that hall was of water, lakes, ponds, waterfalls. It was amazing. I thought, oh, my goodness. I thought, no more of it. So we went home. And I had a habit. I don't know, probably you all do have a habit, I just open my Bible just at random, just at random. And it said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. <laughs> <clears throat> and I thought, okay, okay, okay. So I rang Derek. That was our neighbor. And I told him, and he said, I'll baptize you both. And he did. And, oh, you know what it's like to be baptized. It's, oh, I don't, you can't describe it. You can't describe it. It's such a, a relief. It. It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling afterwards. So anyway, we got baptized, and we thought, right, that's it. And we continued to go twice a week along that road and back again. And, um, but it was fine. It was fine. And then one day, Robert said to us, I'm sorry, you can't come anymore. We thought, Pardon? 
after all we've gone through, you're now throwing us out. <clears throat> he said, you've got to go to a church where you live. I thought, well, we don't know any churches where we live. And then he said, there is one on, in Hastings on the ridge called King's. Never heard of it. Never been there. Don't know where it is. So we said, oh, okay, okay. We'll find it. The week after, ring at the bell early in the morning, and there was Derek and Joan standing there. We've come to take you to your new church. So they took us to King's up on the ridge, and there we met John Groves. And he, he was so wonderful. He welcomed us with open arms. And I learned more. And I made friends again with people like I consider you all here, my family. I've never, you know, it doesn't matter who you talk to. People understand you because we all thinking the same. We all know what it's about. And I've been here ever since. So I'm hoping that um, nobody's going to come to me and say, sorry, you can't come here anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'm being very good and hopefully behaving myself. So, oh, just listen to the Lord. He, people say you can hear his voice. I, I don't think I could hear his voice, but he put me in situations that I knew it was God-given. And I'm learning to say, right, okay, I, I've missed opportunities in speaking to people on buses. That's my best place to speak to people. They can't get away. You're sitting next to them. <clears throat> so you can have a little word with them and share things with them. And that's, that really is good. So don't be shy in speaking to somebody. You don't have to know their name. You can say, I'm Anne, or whatever your name is. What's your name? And there you are. You've got a lovely opportunity. So that's how I began. And... I hope to continue. I know I haven't got many years left, but what years I have got, I want them filled, filled to overflowing. I've still got a lot to learn, but there we are. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I'll try to take you to your seat. You're all done. Oh, thank you so very much, Anne. That was brilliant. Thank you for sharing heart with us. And I think you, you started my preach as well for me. Um, but yeah, Father, we, we just thank you for, for stories like this. Jesus, thank you that you are alive um, at work in Anne's life and in many other lives here. And we just want to submit to you now, even as I share briefly, um, in just the next couple of minutes, just would you speak uh, to us, Holy Spirit, would you... Uh, just come and review yourself again. I pray that your church will be encouraged and built up and strengthened again. But would you also come and challenge and provoke? Uh, Jesus, I pray that we will see you again. Um, I pray that there would be 
just a fresh surrender uh, to you. In your name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, just turn with me briefly to Matthew's Gospel, uh, to Matthew chapter uh, 13. Let's just see how much. Yeah, I won't go on for too long. Matthew chapter 13. Um, and I'd like to read a couple of verses to us from verse 24. Jesus uh, teaching here. So Matthew 13 from verse 24. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And then verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, then the righteous, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. It's interesting how Jesus finishes his teaching. He who has ears, let him hear. Seeds are... They are quite an interesting thing. I, I do like, I think they're quite fascinating. So they are, they are very small. I've got some seeds in my hands. You can have one if you want to. Yeah, no, I'll give you, you can have one as well. You can have one. I think so. They are, they are little things, but they're also quite big because they have life in them. So seeds are quite unique. They are small things. But they have life in them. And so if I plant this, I don't think I'm going to get just one seed, would I? You would often have a harvest. They are, 
They are pretty special things. And it's interesting. Oftentimes in scripture, when Jesus uh, teaches about seeds, he's referring to the word of God. But in this particular parable, when he talks about good seed, guess what? He's referring to sons and daughters of the kingdom. He's referring to followers of Jesus when he talks about good seed. And so if you're here this morning and you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? You are good seed. I think that's quite exciting. It's okay to smile. It's okay to get excited. You are good seed if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good seed, not just seed, but good seed. Let that sink in. You are good seed if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he tells this parable of a man who, who sold seed. And it says as the workers went to sleep. Now there's, there's don't worry too much about that. When it says about them going to sleep, it's not trying to say that sleep is bad. I think that if you have worked hard and you are tired, it's okay to go to sleep. So don't read too much into that. They went to sleep and it says another man came and then he sowed some weeds amongst these, the good seed. And so obviously when they started growing, they grew together and they looked quite similar. So the, the good seed looked like the weeds that had been grown. But obviously the workers had noticed that somebody else had come in and then, and then planted something else. So they said to their master, should we go and then gather the weeds and burn them? And Jesus says, no, don't do that. Just leave it until harvest. Because if you try to do the separation now, you might end up pulling out some good seed. And so the disciples are in a place of not really knowing what Jesus is trying to say. And so they go find him later and they say to him, Jesus, explain this parable to us. And Jesus starts off and he says to them, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. He says, Jesus is the one who sows the good seed. That's the first thing we discover. Jesus is the one who sows the good seed. And then he says, the field is the world. So the field is not the church. You as good seed are not sown in the church. Take note of that. You are part of the church, but you are not sown in the church. Where does he sow the good seed? In the world. And so, as followers of Jesus, we are part of the local church, but we are sown in the world. You, as good seed, are sown in the world. So, the field is the world. And the good seed are the followers of Jesus or the sons of the kingdom. He says, Jesus uses some pretty heavy language. He says the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sold them is the devil. He makes it, oftentimes we, do, we don't talk about these things. But if Jesus highlights them for us, then I think there's a need for us to pay close attention he says the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. He says the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom 
all causes and, and, and of sin and of all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. He says, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus wants us to know a few things this morning. Remember, you are good seed. Please do not forget that you are good seed and you have been sown in the field which is the world. So where have you been sown in the church? Where have you been sown? In the world. Please do not forget that you have been sown in the world. You are part of the church, but you've been sown in the world. And I just want to say to us that you haven't been sown by just anybody. You have been sown by Jesus. And so wherever you find yourself Monday to Friday, the Lord Jesus has sown you there. Wherever you find yourself tomorrow morning at 11, the Lord Jesus has sown you there. Wherever you will find yourself Friday afternoon at 1 p.m., the Lord Jesus has sown you there. And you have been sown there for a reason, for a purpose. I want to say to you, God has, has sown you in that workplace for a reason. Whether you're a teacher, you're a business person, you're a social worker, you're a nurse, you're a health professional, you're a technician, you're a builder, a carpenter, a plumber, a caterer, you did not choose, just choose that career because you wanted to do something. God has sown you in that place. And it changes your whole perspective on life. And so Monday morning, when you get up and go into that workplace, you're not thinking, oh dear, it's Monday morning again. I'm here. No, you're thinking, I am good seed. And the Lord Jesus has sown me here to bring his kingdom to this place. Good seed in the world. As a teacher, when you stand in front of your students, occasionally you go, oh, it's Monday morning. Not, oh, that boy, that boy, he's coming in today. That boy, oh, terrible. He just gives me grief. You don't go in with that same attitude. You go in thinking, I am good seed. God has sown in this classroom to bring something of his kingdom. Do you, do you get the picture? Good seed sown by God wherever you may find yourself. You're a caterer. You're getting all the food ready. You don't just do it anyhow. Oh, not these guys again. No, I am good seed sown in this restaurant or in this place to bring something of the kingdom of God. I met one of my really good friends recently. It was at the eldest and wife's um, new ground uh, weekend. And um, really good friends. So I've known him many years. And um, he used to, we, we first met in Ghana. He used to be there the Deputy British High Commissioner to Ghana. And we, we, we became really, really good friends. Now, one thing I noticed about him was because he was the Deputy British High Commissioner to Ghana, even though he lived in Ghana, he drove a British car, 
when you went to his house, everything there looked like England. Even though he lived in Ghana. All right, so he, the house didn't look like it. It looked like a house here. And the decor and everything felt like you were in England. And so if you went into their home, it felt very much like a home in England. And the reason is because he was representing the British government in Ghana. But as, as an ambassador, he was, he was effectively the face or the front of England in Ghana. He, did, he didn't have to become Ghanaian. No, he was still, even though he lived in Ghana, he was still very much a British representation, but in Ghana. And so he had to show and then reflect everything British, even though he lived in Ghana. It's the same for us, brothers and sisters. We are sons and daughters of the kingdom. And so wherever we have been sown, we ought to bring something of the kingdom of God there. You are seed, good seed, and the life of Christ is in you. I know where God sown me. School gate is one of my spots. Monday morning, I'm there. Monday afternoon, I'm there. Tuesday morning, I'm there. Tuesday afternoon, I'm there. Wednesday morning, I'm back there again. Wednesday afternoon, I'm there. Thursday, Friday, morning and afternoon, I'm there. That's where God sown me in this season of my life. And so guess what? Some parents can be annoying sometimes, but we can be honest, can't we? But when I go in every morning or afternoon, I'm thinking, God, what, what do you want to do today? Do you see what I mean? I'm not just thinking, I'm just dropping the voice off and then picking, no, 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 no. God helped me see he has sown me at the school gate. So bring something of the kingdom of God through. Another, another place God has sown me in the season of my life is next to a football field. And I love it. So training sessions, football games. Yes, we are watching our kids play football, but we are also bringing something of the kingdom of God there. And at the minute, all the parents, they know, they know me. I don't push anything down anybody's throat, but they do know, I mean, they know I'm a, I'm a Christian. They know I'm a follower of Jesus. Because every now and then we would have random conversations. But wherever God has sown you, he wants you to bring something of his kingdom through. So we're watching football. We're all, yay, yay, yay. But every now and then there's opportunity. To share Jesus with somebody. Recently, I went to meet somebody who was selling a car. And um, I went to look at the car. I said, I pop the bonnet open. He pops it open. And then he, <laughs> he says, so, so what do you do? I'm like, praise the Lord. <laughs> you see, you've, you've, also, you've, got to, you've got to meet people where they are at. God will often give you opportunities. You see, we pray for opportunities, and then when God gives us those opportunities, we don't do anything with them. And so I'm meeting this guy to look at the scar. I'm thinking, well, if the opportunity comes, I will, I will, I will chip in. 
You know, so he says, what do you do? I'm thinking, oh, what shall I say? Shall I talk parchment? Shall I talk kings? Because I, I wear a few hats. I say to him, well, I'm a local church pastor. Oh, so you're spiritual, are you? I'll bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. I end up telling this man, he's, he's got his hands behind him, watching me. I end up telling him, sharing hearts, telling him about Jesus, how I love Jesus and what Jesus means to me. And you could see, Either he thought I was stupid <laughs> or he was actually taking it in. But later, I got a message, random message from him to say, you know what? It was, a bit of a, he said, it was a bit of a random conversation we had earlier. But all the things you said spoke volumes to me. And it's just got me to just reconsider again where I stand in my relationship with God. Random cars, I didn't buy the car in the end. <laughs> Random car salesman, but great opportunity. Good seed sown in that moment next to a car salesman. Good seed sown by God. I had a, a friend send me a message. Again, that's out of the blue. He's studying for a PhD in the States. He used to be a teaching assistant in the school where I worked in Ghana. And he sent me this long email and he said, oh, thank you, blah, 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 blah. But I just want to say your faith. I used to just observe from a distance, but I used to watch you just the way you did life with Jesus. And that so challenged me that it got me to give my life to Jesus. And today I'm still running with him. Isn't that amazing? Good seed, wherever God has sown you, not in the church, but in the world. Just a few quick things and then I'll finish. So four things about those who belong to the kingdom. First thing is this. You are seed sown by the sower. And the sower is Jesus Christ. We owe our position to God's initiative. You are not the one who sows yourself. Who sows you in the world? It is God. God sows you in the world. Secondly, we have God as our father. How exciting is that? We have God as our father. We have been adopted into God's family. Thirdly, Jesus reminds us we are called righteous. He says the righteous will shine like the sun. Righteous one in your relationship with God or Jesus Christ. Because obviously sin has been taken away. God declares you right. You are in right standing with him. But also with people around you, God wants you to shine something of his righteousness wherever you find yourself. And again, it doesn't have to be anything heavy. It could be a kind act. It could just be the way you speak to somebody. It doesn't have to be anything strenuous. It could just be you being salt and light and choosing not to get involved in gossip. And people will see the light shining through. Fourthly, he says that, one day, we will shine like the sun. And I look forward to that day. Now, we do shine a bit. But one day, we will shine like the sun. You should see the sun in Ghana. I think you should all 
go there for holiday, see the sun shining. Oh, it's beautiful. I do like the sun here as well when it comes, when it turns up. And then he talks, Jesus talks about the sons of the evil one as well. He uses pretty strong language. I'll be finishing soon. He says that they are sown by the devil, who is the prince of this world. He says that they do... He says they do evil, or literally they are lawless. They are rebels against God and his kingdom. He says their destiny is destruction. He makes that very, 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 very clear. Now, some of us may find things like these unacceptable today. We don't even talk about heaven. We don't, well, we're singing about heaven, but we wouldn't even talk about hell. But, but if, if Jesus highlights this, then who are we to say we will not talk about it? Do you see what I mean? If we say we are followers of Jesus, well, we want to embrace everything he says to us in the scriptures. I don't want to just take the nice parts and then leave the challenging or the, the difficult bit. Sometimes for my, you know, quiet time, I'd read, you read a verse and it hits you. I'm like, no, I don't want to see it again. And then you put the Bible away. But God wants you to hear that as well, not just the nice bits about, oh, call to me and I'll answer you. I like that. But God wants you to also read and embrace the bits that provoke you. And he, he, he makes it clear here about the gathering at the end, at the harvest. The fact that those who know him will shine like the righteous. And those who do not know him, he says there will be gnashing of teeth. Effectively, we're going to end up without God. He makes that very, very clear. He says that in the scriptures. And as his people, we want to embody that. For those of us who do not as yet know Jesus, we also want to hear this. At the end of Jesus' teaching, he says, whoever has ears, let him, let him hear. Jesus wants us to know that in this world, his kingdom is coming. His kingdom is taking root. But the reality is that the devil is also at work. And if you ask me, Sam, will things get better or will they get worse? I don't know, oftentimes people would ask that question. Will things get better or will they get worse? I think the answer is both. Things will get better, but things will also get worse. That is the reality of the kingdom of God. Kingdoms in conflict. Kingdom of God against the kingdoms of this world. That is the reality. Things will get better but things will also get worse. But for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ we know the end from the beginning. We do. If you don't you want to just get in the Bible again we know the end from the beginning. The righteous will shine like the sun. Let that, that truth about the future, let that affect the way you live your life here and now. I will shine like the sun. And so therefore, it's not going too well now, but I know I will shine like the sun. That impacts the way I do life here and now. Brothers and sisters, you are good seed. You are good seed. You are good seed. Sown by God in a world that needs to hear and know about him.
Father, I thank you for your truth. Would you just be at work in our hearts again? I just want to pray, Father God, for any here who do not as yet know you, Jesus. I just really want to ask Jesus that you'd be at work in their hearts. Like we had Anne's story. I pray, God, that they would also have a story of their own. Jesus, would you break hearts that are hardened? Let those walls come down. I thank you that you love us. And that love ultimately took you to the cross. The reason you allowed your body to be broken on that cross was because you loved us. And I pray that every man, every woman, every child would know that love here and now. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I just want to say to you, he loves you. He loves you. And he's for you. And he wants to do life with you. He wants to come in and make your heart his dwelling place. He wants to make you good seed. You cannot be good seed without having first an encounter with the one who made you and called you to be his own. And so maybe this morning you can respond to that. He wants to make you good seed. And if you're already good seed, tomorrow morning, wherever you find yourself, know that God has sown you there to bring his kingdom in. God bless you, church. Amen.